two, 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 what, two, what two, eight, two, two, eight, two. If you say it backwards, it's still two, eight, two. Whoa! <laughs> Welcome to our first ever palindromic episode. <laughs> palindromic. I'm JRJ. Palindromes. And I wonder what your names all are as palindromes. Madam? My last name's really exciting. Kathy's Ganaki Talk. Ganaki Talk. out. Um, Kathy, I'm pretty sure yours is Klingon. That's what I was just saying about Mads. It's Klingon. Oh my god. I can't believe we both just made Klingon references. You can't? George. Who's starting us off? Why don't you start us off? Yes, Clay. Wait, am I after Clay? I think I am. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that means I get to squatter. You're not after me. Oh, yeah, you are. We go by first names. Hi, folks. Welcome to season six. <laughs> Teen. Uh, Done 82 of these. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, JR. Yeah, JR. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast, episode 282. I'm Clay Morgan. I'm J.R. Foresteros. I'm Kathy Kong. And I'm Matt Michelotis. We no are nickname? <laughs> uh, we are I'm back. Matt, no nickname Michelotis. Matt, you threw everybody <laughs> off by playing it straight. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we've uh, we've been away. We took a break uh, over the the holiday season, and it's nice to know that we didn't miss anything. Nope, nothing. <laughs> That's right. Of nothing happened. It's has happened anywhere. So boring. Yeah. Quiet in the world. Yeah, um, I mean, my Twitter feed is dry as a bone. Um, <laughs> nothing happening out there in the world. Uh, so we thought it would be fun to import a new segment from our friends over at TikTok. Uh, we are going to introduce to the fascinating podcast the Squad Review. So uh, we're going to take just a couple of moments, each of us, to introduce one of our co-hosts to you. Uh, and I'm going to yeah. go first. I'm going to talk about <clears throat> Kathy. I, I should say that my 19-year-old Allie has been begging me to get us to do multiple things, one of which is a squad review uh, because <laughs> she thinks it'll be really funny. And the other thing is she really wants us to play Among Us together. And I don't understand what she's saying. So I'm doing it live somehow, and I don't understand. But uh yeah, she has a bunch of ideas. A bunch of Gen Z ideas is what I'm trying to say. Awesome. So this is for we Allie. Need to get her on. Okay. And for us. Allie actually has been on the show. And from what I understand, yes. Matt, correct me if but I'm we wrong. Haven't had her in a while. She hated it. Yeah, she was pretty horrified. She felt like she didn't do very well. Well Which is false. She, she did I great. wasn't here that No, day. yeah, she did awesome. But she uh she, she's a little bit of a uh oh I'm not squad reviewing my daughter, so I'm just going to say. <laughs> I'm surprised okay. since she is a dancer. I figured that performing would be right in her wheelhouse. Oh, she loves performing. She doesn't, she, she, she doesn't talk. Dancers don't talk. She like massively tears apart her performance afterwards so she can be perfect next oh, time, though. She literally has a notebook. Is this okay to say, Allie? Hi, Allie. Um, she literally <laughs> has a notebook where she writes down, like, here are the 40 things I'm going to work on this year in my dancing so I can be perfect. Embrace mediocrity. 
That's what I say. That's right. That's number that, one. That, that's your dance philosophy, Clay? That's right. That's, <laughs> that's long been my dance philosophy. Yeah. Mine is like, number one, try to spend at least an hour on your feet during the day. You know, I mean, the two most famous dancers to come out of Pittsburgh in the last generation are me and Billy Porter. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mr. Rogers. Uh, you know, me and Fred could uh, do a little two-step. <laughs> are we squad reviewing Fred uh, Rogers and Billy Porter? <laughs> no. Well, I can't wait to see how this we're goes. waiting for you, JR. I'm not even sure what a squad review is or who I'm reviewing, so it's all going to be off the cuff. <laughs> You're reviewing me, Clay, at the end. <laughs> okay, I still don't even know how to prepare, so let's go. You'll be ready. You'll be ready, be ready. when the time comes. I'm a pro. Hashtag all right. pro. So here's what you need to know about Kathy. Uh, she is from Chicago. She is married and has three awesome kids. Uh, she is an author. She is a speaker. And she is a yoga teacher. Those are all things you can find out about her on the internet. But I think Kathy is hilarious. I think she's insightful. And I think she's fierce. Uh, I love listening to Kathy's take on pretty much anything. Uh, we got to know each other through the internet, like you do, and through similar publishers. And so uh, some of my favorite things about Kathy are the way she engages people and the relationships and the networks that she builds. I think she's just really exceptionally good at that. And I also really enjoy when I talk to people who also know Kathy and we're able to share like our mutual ad affirmation and affection for her. So um, yeah, that's Kathy in a very small nutshell. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Unexpectedly so, nice coming from JR. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> it's a veritable monster. Because JR and I are not the nicest. That's right. We're the, the two four least nice <laughs> on the squad. So, I get to talk about Matt, who <laughs> is the nicest person on the squad. <laughs> I object. <laughs> and. <laughs> Something a second nicest That's person mean, would Clay, do. Clay, Clay, right. Gosh, Clay, <laughs> quit interrupting me. And Matt is the only co-host I have not met in person. Mm. So in my imagination, Matt is also the tallest oh. co-host. False. <laughs> but I don't know. So in my mind, Matt is the tallest. He also is the author of many, <laughs> many books. Mm -hmm. And I do not know how... Matt writes so mm. much and is still able to read, watch television, and engage with his family. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Um, he, <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Maybe I'm not doing like, all those things, Kathy. <laughs> no, but you are. That's the problem, Matt. You can say that, but like it's like, oh, look, and then I finished this I, book. And, I don't oh, watch look, sports. I finished this article. I don't either. It just opens all the space for me. I don't watch sports. I sit down when Peter watches sports, and then I take my nap. <laughs> so, um, Matt is also married, lives in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I have not met in person any of his family, but they are all charming. Wife and daughter's wife who does not like um, controversy on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand and thought, a recent post was pretty benign, but was terribly wrong. Um, and uh, Matt also uh, <laughs> also is probably the most connected to famous people, mm. I think. Really? Out of the four of us. I think mm. so. Oh. 
Hmm. I feel like at one point it might have been someone else. But I do feel like currently, Matt, you have the best chance of being a rich and famous <laughs> I mean, that's what I always tell my wife. At one point, one of these books is going to sell. And yes. she's like, yeah, you've said that to me like 10 times. So, but, Exactly. But that's what my friends say, man. You can't win the yep. lotto if you don't play. That's right. And so at, at some point... Matt, I feel like you are also the most likely to drop out of the podcast because you will be a rich and famous Mm, author. Man. Too busy. Wow. To podcast. Mm. Leave us behind. I like that that, inspiration. That's a hot take, Kathy. That's a a hot hot take. take. Yes. Hot take and squad Mm. review. Kathy's really good at hot takes. Um, I want to add about Kathy that uh, uh, what I love about Kathy on social media is when people are being fools. If she shows up, they all go away. It's pretty awesome. Like when Krista had her post and Kathy started commenting, I was like, it's, everything's going to be okay now. Kathy's here. And like all the trolls, they're like, oh, I don't want to mess with her. They disappear. Matt, I appreciate the She'll inspirational message for young authors out there that um, finding success as an author is akin to playing the lottery. <laughs> He's not wrong. It's, it's gambling. Yeah, it's, true. it's like gambling. Uh, yeah. That's why I get people all the time. Uh, tell me how you make a full-time living as writing. I was like, I don't. <laughs> so let me know. Yeah, yeah, why are you asking me? <laughs> it's really like a side gig of gambling. Yeah, call Stephen King. I don't know. Oh, man. Okay, good job. Good job, Kathy. All right, Clay. Uh, the the first thing everyone needs to know about Clay is he's quite tall. Mm. Right, Clay? That's what we've been discussing. Um, <laughs> Clay is an amazing guy. He has this encyclopedic knowledge about things he loves, which includes history, uh, is kind of our stereotypical thing we like to say about him, but it's, it's a lot more than history. Actually, it's like a lot about how the government works and how people work. And one thing I love is that he's always learning. So it seems like every time you talk to him, he's like, ah, now I know how, uh, now I know the history of swear words. Now I know like, <laughs> yeah, on and on. He's really interesting, too, because he likes super bland food because he grew up in Pittsburgh. Like, he prefers instant mashed potatoes to actual mashed potatoes. And he also really loves, like, Korean food. So he likes really flavorful things. But a lot of this has to do with his wife, I think. Mm. I'm not sure that they're... He also calls uh, gyros gyros or gyros or something. Ew. Um, it's part of Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's not his fault. You're ew. It's because he's a yinzer. Um <laughs> And uh, you know what else is interesting about Clay? Two things. One is this is a guy who thinks about every possible outcome <laughs> of everything, like good and bad. You you could say like, hey, what what's uh, let's go to the store, and he'll start. He'll have forty different scenarios of what could happen, which is really fascinating and interesting. Um, and then the other thing is clay is one of the most, um, I don't know if he's going to be happy that I say this. He's one of the most secretive people I know. Like (laughs) clay surprises me. Clay is one of my good friends, one of my best friends. And, uh, he surprises me all the time with stuff that I was like, I did not know this big thing about you. So, uh, that's always interesting. It's like delightful. It's like, there's always a new surprise. It's like the prestige over here. I have a twin brother guys. (laughs) Dang it! Uh, and he's like he's super kind he's always thinking of the people around him and uh even if you look back as you get to know him and learn his history uh and the ways he's been growing and learning new things 
uh, you see this uh, thread of relationship going back of him showing care to people from like real early in his life that continues today. And and some people that others would have cut off relationship with, he still considers uh, these people worthy of his time and interaction, which I really love about Clay. And here's the thing about Clay. He is probably the best, most natural networker I've ever met. Like I, if I ever meet someone that has ever been involved in sort of the social media landscape in the last 10 years, if I'm like, do you know Clay Morgan? A lot of times they do. Uh, and, and he's the kind of guy that when you meet him, like he, you're, if you go to a conference and Clay is there, you go home and you go like, I met the coolest guy, it's Clay <laughs> Morgan. Like it happens all the time. Mm. I guarantee you there's a bunch True. of people right now. Like, I remember I went to this one conference and there was this really cool guy, Clay Morgan there. Cool. So guy. He has a natural way of making people feel cared for and heard. And I think that I've seen him at these conferences. Right. And part of it is that Clay is genuinely interested in hearing like the minutia of your life and he'll like dig into it, which is kind of cool. Mm. So that's Clay Morgan. How'd I do? Wow. Ah, uh, that is, you know, I'm starting to get the hang of this squad review. It's, <laughs> it feels like you're going to get roasted, but then it's, it's like a nice roast. Uh, except with Not openings, always. it's because our our squad is largely relatively nice. Except with <laughs> openings except for the, the unnice JR. people like Kathy and Jared to make passive aggressive comments. <laughs> what passive nice. aggressive comments so did nice. I make? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Matt. Ka- Kathy's just aggressive. She's not passive aggressive. Also, um, <laughs> can I make a prediction before Clay responds? Um, responds yes. to what? To Matt's squad reviewing. Oh, oh, oh. My prediction is that Clay was flattered by the fact that you called him mysterious and only hurt by the fact that instead of using the correct term that he has many layers of Clay, mm-hmm. um, that you said it was different facets. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I said facets. Mm. So, well, play the tape back, Aaron. We'll see. <sighs> well, yeah, definitely wasn't layers. <laughs> you know, I didn't say layers. Yeah, that's true. I said he was like an onion. He has peels. Why can't it be like Kate? appealing? Everybody likes cake. Uh, yeah, I, I am a bit of a mystique, I guess. But, you know, I am coming back. I'm coming back out, putting my head above the, the, the gray skies of the last four years are lifting, hopefully. And I'm beginning to peek my head above the ground and, and return a bit to these socials that you described. Mm. But thanks, Matt. I like how you said you have a bit of mystique. And when you and Jar and I became friends, we didn't know you had a girlfriend for like a year. <laughs> I have a bit of a stink. <laughs> <laughs> that remains and if one you of. Really had a twin brother. Why? Well, when he said that Why earlier, I was like, "Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised, but not surprised. Well, hey, this is fun. Okay, your turn. Okay, so I get to talk about Jr. Yeah, do it. Yes. Jr. is a man without boundaries. <laughs> and I say that I say that in the most positive relational way. Obviously, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that we met through JR's lack of boundaries uh, when he immediately invited me into his home and life uh, because Matt was coming to Dayton from uh, the Northwest. But yeah, JR, I always say about him, he is the... He's one of the smartest thinkers I know 
So there's a lot of qualities about JR that are loving and caring, and obviously he's a great friend. But when I think about JR, like I can't not think about his mind first. And it's the ability not only to intake so much information in like so quickly, but it's how JR synthesizes information and contextualizes information. So like as a historian, I always, you know, appreciated the ability to take some fact or some information and put it into a different kind of context. And JR does that with really difficult concepts. So he's a great teacher. No surprise that he's been a teacher for a long time. So that's kind of the first headline that comes to mind for JR. Um, his openness and uh, radical hospitality and his, his mind for sure. But he's also pretty adventurous. Like the time that I lived with JR and Amanda, I did more things in like a three month period and interacted <laughs> with more strangers weekly than probably I have in the last two non-COVID years. So um, I often think about how many people JR interacts with, how many adventures he goes on. Cause you know, I end up thinking like I could do that or 17 other things. And then, you know, the day ends and I haven't gone anywhere. Whereas JR is just out there. Um, he's also really funny and he has a very rich beard of white hair that he calls his wisdom farm. So <laughs> is that true? It is true. It, 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 it was a, it was a bit of a wisdom garden. I remember, you know, mm. and, and it, it just has kind of grown into really a large scale wisdom farm. Um, wow. So when I look at Jair's beard, you know, I think, does he keep anything in there? Yes. It's where the wisdom comes from. I think there's kind of like wow. a Samson thing happening. Like if JR were to ever shave his beard again, I think he might lose all of his powers. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he's also a guy who evolves. So uh, JR cannot just be pinned down forever as one thing. He will explore and find new things, and new ideas, and new ways of thinking, and he'll evolve. And... Uh, yeah, he's, he's always picking up new skills, like surprising new skills, like things I didn't expect that would interest him. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's got like band-aids and cuts on his thumb because now he's like making pasta and using new fancy knives to cook new dishes. So, hmm. I mean, I may be a man of mystery, but, you know, JR is a bit of a man of intrigue. Mm. <laughs> there's, your, there's your quote. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, that's incredibly humbling. <laughs> Well, squad review, we probably did it wrong. So for Allie at home, feel free to judge us. Wait, I wasn't supposed to have footnotes? Uh, I would just like to say that I was told to keep it to a minute. So I apologize, Kathy, for not waxing long. Oh, no, same. Um, but I would also like to encourage Allie to come back on the show and tutor us mm. on yeah. our squad mm -hmm, review mm -hmm. skills. I would love to hear Allie do a squad review of everyone except me. <laughs> I would love to hear Allie do a squad review of you. I keep trying <laughs> to get Allie to start a podcast with me where it's basically a Gen Zer making fun of a millennial. Oh my gosh, she loves judging JR so hard. Yeah, and I'm like, great, let's make it. Let's make it a show. I guarantee you, people will tune in for that. I like she it. brought up. 
I only had to say a bunch of nice things for a long time because Matt did. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm long winded. And you're nice. Matt is nice. Um, <clears throat> JR, the other night, I was saying some, I was watching some movie. I said, I think it's pretty good. And Allie goes, Not like that one JR made us watch when he came to visit. <laughs> is she talking about Get Duped? No, not no, Get No, she's duped. talking about The Lodge. Yeah, The Lodge. Lodge is great. <laughs> I stand All up. right. Okay. Oh, man. So, okay. So, we've done our squad review, but we have yes. been gone. And all joking aside, there's a lot that happened between uh, our last episode in mid December and our first episode <laughs> of season six here at the end of, we're recording at the end of January, comes out in February. So, I would love to hear sort of in general how everyone's doing because it's, it's, it's been a lot. And I know we've had sort of like, you know, our, our little podcast chat that we keep going has been, has been, uh, prolific and you know we've had text and phone conversations here and there but you know for our listeners maybe as they're as they're rejoining us at the the beginning of 2021 um maybe i want maybe see if see if you like framing the question this way like where are you in terms of uh your spirit your spirit and your outlook here at the beginning of 2021 and maybe even what that means for like your your work, and I don't necessarily just mean your paycheck, but like your vocation as as we're moving forward, as it relates to the podcast or not. Obviously, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the thoughts we have for the show over the next season. But um, yeah, Matt, I'd kind of love to hear sort of what's what's uh, how all this has hit you. Oh man, uh, well my uh, my teenage daughters have been home because of COVID uh, a lot more than they would have been uh, if we had not had COVID, but they're gone again now. So it's really great having everybody together. I just feel like it was a real uh, unexpected blessing to have the whole family. Uh, at the same time, right, there's all this difficulty of, like, you don't have the normal ways that you kind of blow off steam. Like, you can't just run over to your buddy's house for the kids. Um, and the different ways that our family exercises aren't as available, like all those sorts of things. Uh, I think the uh, – the, I've I've – over the last several months, I've grown really weary of the kind of toxic interactions online, um, which is something I've spent a lot of time on. Uh, but I've just been trying to be more careful about just not engaging with things that aren't worth my time, like trying to value my own time more than that. Um, and it seems like some things have gotten worse, right? While while uh, while a lot of... I was talking to Krista about it yesterday. It's like someone gave permission to say all the worst things uh, and to just be a jerk about a variety of things. Um, so I think that has impacted, it impacts a couple things. One, it makes me pretty sad when I'm looking at people I know even sometimes or care about, and I'm disappointed, not by their beliefs, not by who they voted for or something like that. That's fine. Uh, but the way they interact about it, I find really uh yeah, it just it gives me sorrow. Um, at the same time, I think I'm realizing part of my shift, maybe partly in response to that, is I'm feeling much more interested in story and much less interested in like essays and explaining things to people. So I've been shifting a lot of my attention, my creative attention, toward more the fiction side of things, storytelling, um, things like that. 
And uh, I've got some really fun possible projects out there. Like I'm messing around. I think we've talked about starting to mess around in the film world. Some, uh, I just pitched a comic book to a publisher, which was super fun. They came to me and said, we want to get into comics and you're like the comic-y person we know. So could you pitch some stuff? And I was like, <laughs> uh, was that before or after they shoved you in a locker? <laughs> uh, no, it was after the locker. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, it was when they opened the locker, they saw all my pictures of the Legion of Superheroes in there. They're like, oh, we could <laughs> oh, you we know could what, monetize Dork, We've got a school kid. assignment coming up. <laughs> You're going to do supposed it. I'm to draw a superhero. I don't even know what that is. Um, no, it was actually hilarious. We got on the phone with my agent. And uh, the editor is is uh, one I've worked with in the past and who I love dearly. And we, we got on the phone together and my agent, Wes, goes, thank you. Thank you. The first conversation I had with Matt over 10 years ago, he said, I just want to write comics. So thank you. I, I hope this works. I would love to not hear about this anymore. <laughs> so I think there's a, uh, you know, all that to say, um, I think part of what that means is I'm pushing into what actually interests me, which is something that I struggle with. Like a lot of times I'm looking at what's utilitarian, what is needed. And now I'm pushing into what do I want, uh, which uh, just with my personality type is a more difficult thing for me to do. Uh, and it's so life-giving. I'm just having so much fun with so much of it, uh, which is, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to wake up and go like I can't wait to do some writing today. Yes. Um so yeah, I don't know, that's where I am. I think spiritually uh there's probably a combination of things like I think when I'm engaging it's kind of the same thing where it's like this is something I deeply want to do and when I'm not engaging it's not from any uh you know in the past there might have been times where I was processing something that was upsetting or I was angry about something. And it was preventing me from engaging well spiritually. And I would say now there's more just like there's a malaise sometimes. I'm just like, mm. I could engage spiritually, but also the world is the world. And what if I just, you know, ate some nachos? Mm -hmm. Is that a spiritual act? I guess it could be. Anyway. Nachos are always. Nachos, man. I love me some nachos. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Is that is that's the kind of thing you're asking, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, was, I mean, I, again, I didn't really have a clear picture, so that, I think that's great. Thank you. We know how you like yeah, to go was, on and on. That was 60 course. seconds, right? Did that I was just 58, so you have a couple 50. of seconds for a last okay, thought. Okay, no, I'm good. I, okay, I think okay, that covers right. me. Kathy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you? There have been some interesting things happening over the last couple of weeks, eh? <laughs> <laughs> What's been happening? Like what? happening? I don't know. Oh, we finally had Christmas. Hey! Yay! Yay! And we left our Christmas tree up a lot longer than we usually do, actually. <laughs> what, when do you usually leave it up till, and when did you leave it up till this time? Well, often it is shortly after, maybe like... Epiphany. A, it's, oh, wait, no. It's definitely after New Year's Day. We don't always wait until after Epiphany. Um, because I like to tidy up my home. Mm -hmm. But this year I wanted the lights and the things and my house was not tidy at all this <laughs> holiday season. <laughs> so we just kind of left it at as is and then we put it away uh, right before the boys left to go back to school because I wanted their help. So otherwise I may have left it up 
longer, but I didn't want to put it away by myself. Which of us has not had a St. Valentine's tree? <laughs> I have not. Kathy, I have not. <laughs> oh. Kathy, in light of recent events, I feel like you're kind of burying the lead here. Oh, you think? Um, I had a celebration of one for the inauguration, got up early, put on makeup, had an outfit ready, (laughs) chilled a a small bottle of champagne for myself, um, and just delighted in the inauguration. I was sad. Peter and I had planned to be out in the D.C. area for just to be in D.C. for this historic inauguration. For the, uh, like you were trying to overthrow the Capitol or what? Well, you know, no, that would, <laughs> I would break my nails and it's illegal and all those things. Um, so no, wait, why for the was inauguration. it was Peter at work or what was? Yes, Peter was at work. Oh. He had taken the day off, but then I was like, well, we're not going to DC. You might as well go and make some money. Yep, there you go. <laughs> money, money. Um, so yeah, I watched the inauguration. It was amazing. It was sad not to be there, but, um, you know, for all of the historic elements, um, you know, our first woman who is also a woman of color and a daughter Mm -hmm. of immigrants to be uh, sworn in as vice president, I just also was amazed at the power and presence of all the women there who were on the stage and doing their thing and wearing those vibrant, bright colors. Mm. It just, I think there was something in my soul and spirit that really needed that kind of beauty. Mm. Even the songs that I am not particularly fond of. (laughs) Um, And I, uh, I'm not a huge J-Lo fan. I think um, J-Lo, Lady Gaga are amazing performers. Um, but I was really moved by both of their performances. Mm. Um, and in part because they were fully like who they are. And, you know, Lady Gaga walking down the steps in this huge ball gown <laughs> that made her escort have to be like socially distanced because the dress was so big and that brooch was huge. And then she picked up that gold microphone and I was like, yes, that is amazing. Um, uh, so all of the performances and then of course, you know, our, our poet, our poetess. She was amazing. She was, I, uh, Amanda Gorman, if we can get you on the show, (laughs) if anyone is connected. Um, So again, it was the, it was all of it. It was her words. It was her movement. It was her presence and how she carried herself. And I would love to talk to her about how now she is supposed to carry on her shoulders kind of the weight of not only the words that she spoke that day, but kind of the expectation um, of America. Well, at least part of America. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, so I feel a little more hopeful than Mm. I ever have, um, uh, than I have in a long, long time. How's that? Mm. Um, But I will say, uh, to be perfectly honest, Matt, that when you mentioned the Malays, mm-hmm. um, 
I've been having a hard time with my depression. Oh. So I don't know if I've talked about this oh, on the podcast. I don't but think so. Yeah. So I've written about it and I've spoken about it elsewhere. But um, I I have clinical depression. I've been on medication, antidepressants for a number of years. Um, uh, talk therapy is helpful and I've been in therapy off and on over the years. But the thing that was a game changer for me was finally going on medication. Mm. Um and then I always have a little bit of seasonal affective disorder living where I do. It's always, it's fairly gloomy in the winter. The snow is quite lovely, but when it is sunny, it usually means it is freezing cold. So like this morning, it was very sunny and I thought, oh, it's probably cold outside. Yep. It was 18 degrees. So, oh. um, so the last four years with all of what was going on in the country and um, particularly then this last year with COVID and the craziness in the country made it really challenging. And I've been feeling it quite a bit this winter um, in particular. So uh, for me, the inauguration was a little bit of that kind of mental, visual, spiritual boost. Um, and then it kind of kicked me into this place where I could actually articulate like, oh, I'm really struggling with my depression and I need to be aware of how I'm kind of managing my day to day. So mm. that's how I'm doing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Kathy. I know it's not yeah. something that necessarily everyone feels comfortable talking about. I think it's really important. Yes, I do too. I do too. So, and to make very clear listeners, I have no thoughts of self-harm. That's one of the things too. I've realized people um, when we talk about mental health, and particularly with COVID happening, and it's still around, even with vaccines coming around the bend, hopefully for folks, um, I think that's the question sometimes people in the back of their minds are wondering when people are in depression or you think somebody is depressed. Um, and so that was one of the things that I I wrote about recently and, and told friends like, Hey, I just need you to know I'm really struggling. I have no thoughts of self-harm. Um, but I just, I want you to know this is wh how I'm doing where I'm at. So, yeah. So yes. Thanks for sharing that, Kathy. Yeah, and thank I would you. say yeah. for our listeners, I'm sure given the season that's that there are multiple listeners experiencing depression um, and maybe even thoughts of self-harm. And if that's you, reach out to us. We'll be glad to connect you to somebody that can uh, help help work that through. And probably not us, right? We'll connect you to a professional. So Yeah, a professional. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Clay, what about you? Well, <clears throat> it's interesting how, um, how similar I would describe certain parts of that. Uh, what both Kathy and Matt just said, but I do feel that uh, bit of buoyancy, even as I would say, um, personally, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, with, with Jen and I being attached to the corporate world as we are coming out of this year, I, th I think there's mm -hmm. more uncertainty in a lot of ways than we've had in some time. So I anticipate this year is um, clearly going to have, it's going to be a year of great change. Um, for, for us and for and for me and I don't know what shape those are going to take yet but that's that's a, a thing that would create you know seemingly more um, of an unsettled spirit but as you guys know 
by 2017, I could not do it anymore. I could no longer engage in the madness of reality denying. And seeing as how I did have a life in the corporate world at that point, I just kind of disengaged completely and have not spent the time in the social media trenches with you guys like you guys have for all these years. So whereas it's like a wear down point for you, I'm actually like coming back to it now, kind of reinvigorated and 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 ready to re-engage. And I have been engaging more, and uh, I I intend to do a lot more of that in the near future. Um, it, it became really difficult to talk about this this stuff that I love and these things that I know when nothing mattered, nothing about reality mattered. And frankly, if the election hadn't gone the way it did, I don't think I would be here, of course, at all. <laughs> of course, then again, maybe none of us would be here. So. It's um, inauguration day, you know, is, is always one of my favorite things. And except four years ago, I completely skipped it for the first time ever in my life. And um, yeah, I too was, I mean, we, we, we haven't touched much on January 6th, but I think it's true, right? America fundamentally was a different place between that 48 hour period of the runoffs in Georgia and the insurrection at the Capitol and just the madness uh, of it all. So I feel hopeful, you know, and as people are now asking me questions and I'm finding life in answering those, we did a couple episodes, you know, recently on the podcast, but then also in, in just conversations, um, I have a lot of joy, you know, in kind of just thinking about these things and teaching people and sharing that information again. So uh, it's kind of an interesting place to be like, this might be the greatest civic engagement era we've seen in a long time. Young people mm. are more interested than ever before. Um, people of all ages are curious to understand um, the reality of laws and and history and um, and frankly, now we've seen the dangers. Because I always used to tell my students, you know, nobody says. The Constitution doesn't matter. You, you can't. Like, nobody stands in front of a judge and says, I'm right, and it's and the Constitution has no bearing. They all say, I'm right, and here's how my argument is verified by the Constitution. And so, um, we see the tragic, dangerous reality of people who either don't understand or who misunderstand, you know, what that document is and says. So, I, I feel like there is... Um, not just a chance to be myself, but there's a chance to really do something for the common good. Um, and now I'm a little more prepared, I think, for when I say reality and true things and people are like, what do you know? You don't count with your 20 years of scholarship and verifiable facts. Like I'm more prepared to kind of like scrape that off now. Um, so, so, so it's, it's personal and it's universal, right? But that's, that's been kind of a big part of my experience here. So I, I have really no idea what the next few months, year will look like in a lot of ways. Um, but man, it's just so good to take a breath. Like I, I just watched the first um, news conference the other day with the new press secretary. And it's just like, oh my God, a calm, reasonable conversation. You know? Wasn't that yeah, wild? Yeah, like adults are in the room. Just... <laughs> Yes. Uh, we're just so exhausted. I love that we don't have to hear the Twitter storms and all of this craziness. So, 
we are not being gaslit yes. by the White 24 House press <laughs> So that it just it's just like a chance to take a breath, right? So I, I would I would say that's kind of where I am. I've went from the horror of January sixth to um, yeah, really being moved. Amanda Gorman, Jen and I had seen her on something a few months ago, and uh, when she when she came up on the stage, I was like, oh, it's that poet. She's awesome, and of course now like. She's just launched into the stratosphere like she should be, which is great. Um, yeah. And uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm hopeful. I still feel like we got major problems. And yeah. there are uh, a lot of threats. But the final thing I'll say is I became very skeptical. I'm still super cynical. But I became very cynical about politicians uh, over the years. And, you know, as I watched that Sunday morning, the funeral of um, John Lewis, and just kind of like, that was like church for me that day, you know, and I was just brought to tears watching the, the procession up across the bridge. And as you think about, you know, RBG, and just so many individuals now who like literally had to spend their golden years and up until their deathbed, like just trying to fight for this justice. It's like, you know what? There are a lot of really good people who really do care and who really are giving everything they have in civic service, and that matters. And and it's maybe now my time that I've re-energized and, and stayed away to come back. So I think we do need to step away and find that, and then we need to re-engage when we're able. Sorry, that was long-winded, but... That was great. Can I ask, Claire, Clay, what do you love about the inauguration? What do I love about it? Um, there's a part of me that just loves historical events. I love observing them and seeing them and being a part of them. Um, I've always recognized that the peaceful transfer of power, which we didn't have this time, but we always have had, is a super significant thing. Um, you know, I was there in 2000 for W's inauguration from the uh, the really calm front and center part to the to the rowdy protesting side. You know, I saw... I saw the Secret Service sprint away as the uh, president's limo was hit with eggs in the six-degree freezing rain. So um, whether I get to be a ex- ex- you know participant like that or I get to watch from afar, um, I just I just love the historic nature of it and the uniqueness of it. And I am like kind of watching it, thinking of all of those great speeches. And, and the words, you know, words matter so much. We, we know more than ever. So I'm always curious to see what words are said. And I thought Biden did a great job in his team. Yes. Thanks. How about you, Jared? Well, I'm in a worse place. <laughs> um, maybe I should have gone first. Uh, yeah, I mean... And I talked about this a little bit at the end of last season. Um, the The fact that evangelicals overwhelmingly continued to support Donald Trump, and in, in in my experience, not just at the ballot box, but you know, and this is entirely anecdotal, though I'd love to see some evidence or, or some study of this. Uh, the people who like held their noses and voted for him in 2016 seemed uh rabidly excited about supporting him this time around 
And uh, that was, I think, <clears throat> I think it underscored something that I was also experiencing in my personal life, both online and offline, as I tried to figure out how to pastor in that, in that space. Um, and w- which was that uh, something that I think one of the reasons I enjoyed Jesus and John Wayne so much enjoyed is the wrong word, but one of the reasons I found that book so helpful and profound was that it, it underscored the reality that um, as a whole, white evangelicalism's support of Donald Trump was not despite our convictions, but precisely because of them. And I, I've, it's just become very painfully clear to me that white evangelicalism is, is and has been idolatrous almost from the beginning. And that if we are serious about the good news about Jesus what is going to be required of us is repentance and conversion. Not, and I, I use that language because that 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 speaks to the ideological nature of it. It's not that we are uh, needing to tweak the thing. It's that we need to sink the ship and build a new one. Uh, because the one that we have is, uh, you know, the 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 problems are structural. And uh, I think. Where when I said I'm I'm in a bad or, uh, bad place or at least a worse place, it's because I, it's pretty clear to me at this point that white evangelicalism, including my own denomination, uh, doesn't have the courage or the conviction to repent and be converted. Um, so I, I think it's going to die, and I've been kind of since the election, uh, but certainly in the wake of the attempted coup. Uh, been wondering what that means for my denomination, what that means for me as a pastor. Uh, I, I, I think the, the churches and the organizations that have the capability of changing are, are denominations and churches of color. And um, that's not intimidating or threatening to me, but at the same time, as someone who feels called still vocationally to be a pastor, uh, it's not like I want to just like wade into those denominations and ask for a position of authority, um, being so formed as I am by something that I think is again, deeply sinful and, and, uh, broken. So all of that to say, yeah, I'm, uh, in my own head, I've been wondering if I need to move from triage care to hospice care as a pastor. Um, what do you What do you mean by that? Uh, I've been doing a lot of work trying to t- trying to save the ship, you know, mm. um, trying to stop uh, stop the bleeding. And uh, I wonder if instead I just need to accept that, like, as long as I'm in the denomination I'm in, I am pastoring a dying denomination that doesn't want to change. Um, that doesn't want to actually work for justice that wants to, uh, cling to the rhetoric that makes it feel okay being racist and misogynistic and homophobic and all of those things. Um, so when you say hospice care, you're saying like, maybe you need to just like help, help things come apart gently and painlessly like that. Less painfully, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And again, and, and, and in those spaces, like understanding that, I think where I've been lately and where I've been getting so much like pushback from folks uh, when I do get pushback is because I've been directing my attention to folks who are 
on the receiving end of the pain, not the ones causing the pain. Uh, and so the people who cause the pain end up then, you know, saying that I'm mean or that I'm intolerant or you know, all the things that we all get called. Uh, and my response has sort of been like, well, yeah, to you for sure, because you're actively <laughs> like, you're actively causing harm to these people. And you're right. I don't tolerate that. Um, do you feel like even saying stuff like this, like you're saying it in pretty publicly right now, do you feel like, yeah, how do you feel about that? Does it put you at risk in your work? Like what? I don't think it puts do? me at risk in my work. Um, you know, my, my worship director and I had a, had a good long conversation about this after our last uh, leadership team meeting in our congregation. And I like had to preface it because he's, you know, he's been with us a, about a year and I, I was like, okay, all the things I'm about to say, I want you to hear them not as someone who's like trying to figure out how to leave Catalyst, my church. Um, and I said, actually quite the opposite. Anytime I'm ministering, like in catalyst, I actually feel really alive and really vibrant. And like, I still love our congregation. I think we're headed in a good direction because we're working so hard to undermine and dismantle a lot of this stuff. And, and at our local level, the folks who are there want to be about that. Um, but we are a part of a denomination that doesn't want any of that and is actively resisting it. Uh, and is platforming people who uh, approved of the coup attempt, you know, <sighs> things like that. Um, and so it's, it's. I mean, and again, we've seen it a hundred times, right? Speaking out of both sides of our mouth and all, mouth and all that kind of stuff, saying like, "Oh, well, we can do, we condemn violence, but you know, patriots uh, got to draw the line somewhere," and all that, all that garbage that we've all heard. Um, I mean, I mean, one example is, you know, anytime there's a Black Lives Matter protest, uh, when things happen with George Floyd over the summer, even this coup attempt, people in our denomination will ask our general superintendents, who are the six, the six heads of our denomination, will you release a statement about this? And they keep saying, well, we don't release, like, we don't speak on national events because we're a global denomination. Um, but they had no problem releasing a statement when the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. And they released a statement about that, upholding our non-affirming view of sexuality in our denomination, even though that was not a nation, uh, a global thing. Right. And so, again, when you look at like what they say sounds good until you look at how they're saying it and how they're applying it. Um, and what you see again and again and again is that they're continuing to pander to the worst parts of our denomination and continuing to do things that continue to uphold white cis patriarchy. Um, and I just, again, like, there's probably a good reason I'll never be elected general superintendent of anything. Uh, but how's like, that work? Do you run for it or what? Yeah, uh, actually, literally, what happens in our denomination is is when there's a vacancy, uh, everyone that's uh, nominated as a delegate gets in a big room and like everyone writes a name down on a sheet of paper, and then they turn all the pieces of paper in, and like the top fifty names get put on a screen, and then they pass out another round of paper, and then everyone writes what? one of those names down, and they just keep doing that until. Isn't There's that, a one name. in the Bible. Do they call that casting lots? Is that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's similar, right? Uh, I, and, and again, I don't think there's a perfect a perfect system of church governance. What you get with our system of church governance is you get people who are elected by popularity, essentially. And again, we can spiritualize it however we want, right? But prophets do not get elected to those kinds of positions in those kinds of elections. <laughs> um, you get people who you get people who gained. Affable, they're affable and they don't rock the boat, right? It's not to say right. they don't do great work. And I mean, I love our general superintendents as individuals. I think they have a great ministry track record. Um, well, you but, would. They're the most popular people in the <laughs> I, Exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, when you look at, I, I mean, we got a we got an email 
after our, like all the Nazarene pastors got an email from the board of general superintendents after the coup, not in response to it, obviously, but obviously in response to it. And it, it was like the most like vanilla, like if, if you didn't know that the coup attempt had happened, you, you would have no sense that this was speaking to it in any way. Right. And it was the most like harmless, innocuous kind of statement. Um, okay. And this so- is, Oh, ahead, so sorry. taking all that, uh, uh, the question is what, where does that leave you emotionally, like right. and spiritually? Yeah. I mean, so obviously I've been angry a lot and, uh, that anger is covering up a deep grief. Um, I love a lot about our, I mean, this is, I tell people all the time, like I have the zeal of a, of a convert because I did not grow up Nazarene. You know, I chose to be in the church of the Nazarene and for a lot of reasons that I, that I still love. And it, it grieves me that we're giving into the uh, worst angels of our denomination, uh, things that are uh, tendencies and proclivities that have been a part of our denomination from its founding. Um, this is nothing new, right? We've always been in attention, and we can do a whole episode on the history of the Church of Nazarene if you want sometime. But I mean, it's it's this isn't a new thing. It's that that yet again we are. Um, we are resting on our worst natures and our, our, our worst impulses. And so, again, it just makes me it, it just grieves me deeply. Um, I don't know what it looks like for the future of. of our denomination, um, and, and that's part of why I'm sad, right? Um, there's a lot of practical stuff, like the fact that our denominations own our, our denomination owns our buildings. So, like, if the denomination does something weird like that, that raises questions about like, where, where's our congregation going to meet to worship once we're allowed to do things like be in buildings together again, obviously. Um, so there's like real practical concerns, but then there's like the, the more emotive concerns too, which is what, like I have a lot of friends in this, these congregations and there's, there's a long history of doing a lot of good work in the U S and around the world. And it's, it grieves me that all of that is being overshadowed by our choice to, hide and to be afraid and to, uh, continue, uh, continue to make all of the same mistakes that white evangelicalism has been making for, for centuries. So, um, I still really love my local church. I'm still so excited to get to pastor there and to pastor with those folks. Uh, I'm, I'm coming to love my city Rowlett more and more and more and getting more involved there. So I think one of the things that looks for me is just getting like even more hyper local, um, I've, I've kind of quit engaging folks online because again, it's not, it's not a, it's not a reasonable debate where the person with the most cogent argument or the best facts wins the day. It's ideological and you don't, you don't convert ideologies on the internet for the most part. Um, but, but it's, it's a lot of like, I know what I'm stopping and I'm not sure what I'm starting. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and just honestly trying to really process a lot of, the anger that I'm feeling and, and figure out as, as best I can, what's beneath that and how to, how to feel those things and how to process those things and uh, how to lead my church in doing that. Because I know I'm not the only person I may, I might feel them in a, in a more specific way because I'm a pastor and it's like, quote unquote, my industry. But I know, I know many, 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 many people who either are still evangelicals or at one time considered themselves evangelicals are grieving those kinds of things right now. Um, I think that's evidenced by the amount of anger that we see in evangelicalism and from post-evangelical or ex-evangelical or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I am. Uh, I don't, 
I don't know how coherent or cogent any of that is, but that's good. Um, yeah, it's good to catch up with everybody and kind of hear what's going on with everyone. It's really good. I know that it's, it's been such a weird year, right? Uh, I mean, and it's only January. It's January. (laughs) Yeah, really? Oh man. Uh, well, Hmm. Good stuff. Um, Okay, I want to do another squad review. Let's do it. All right, we're going to do who would be, of the four of us, the best president, best to worst. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mean who would be second best? Best to to worst. Because you're the best, Clay? Is that what you're saying? I mean... Clay understands <laughs> how the government works. I'll yes. give him that. Yeah. Hey, I think recent years have proven that you don't need to understand anything about history or government to be president. I, uh, no, Clay understands no, 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 government, Clay. and he can keep a secret. <laughs> Your secrets are safe with me. He is, he is naturally likable. He could go to Korea, and they, uh, like yes. North Korea, and they'd be like, oh, yeah. yeah. I like but him. am I brash and I would also. I would also like to say, I didn't say who would be president. I said who would be the best president. And I think we True. have also learned that it actually does require the government, knowing how the government works, to be a good president. <laughs> yes. Mm, good point. To even be a decent Competent. <laughs> okay. Clay, Matt, JR, and then me. Wait, mm. whoa, Kathy. Well, okay, so Explain here, technicality, yourself. technicality. I could not be the president. Okay, you're right. You're right. Good point. Yes. We didn't say president but if you, of where. <laughs> but if you, if you could be, Kathy, how does that change your ranking? I don't think I would be a great president. Why? Uh, I don't. <laughs> you shouldn't be trusted with the nuclear codes? Is that what you're saying? I don't. I don't like people these days. <laughs> Clay, serious question. How many presidents would you say were people people? Uh, well, you're asking the wrong guy. As opposed to lizard people? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, like... The Constitutional does not require one to be a people person to be the president. <laughs> mm. So, um, yeah, there have been a lot. Uh, I mean, there, there have been presidents who didn't even want to be president, let alone. They didn't like the, they didn't like the job, let alone the people. So, Wow. But maybe they just like the trappings. Mm. 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 I mean, there's some that didn't even like that. So, Yeah, I hear the White House isn't really a great place. Like, it's smaller than people think. I don't know. It looks pretty big to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you only get the one wing is what I understand, right? With the West one? Like the residence. The residence part. Right. And then there's the part that's open to the public. No one talks about how the president has to work from home. <laughs> I thought his home was upstairs or something. It is. Yeah, I mean, the residence. I work from home and my office is downstairs and my bedroom is upstairs. I was think I don't say like, oh, I'm going I'm going into the office today because I'm going down to the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but then I could wear I could wear yoga pants. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? You're president, you do what you want. <laughs> George W said he didn't even have to eat broccoli. That's or wait, true. was that George I like Sr.? Broccoli. I don't remember. Look, the next either way I'm in. The next time you walk through your house and you hear someone in your ha- in your home on a work call, just imagine that you are related to the president and he's on a work call. Like, could you imagine just like I hear the snippets of Jen's day? Like, could you imagine like what Jill Biden just like when she's going to make a sandwich? And you know, he's like, <laughs> Yes, Prime Minister. Sandwiches? 
<laughs> Did you guys see about President Trump's diet Coke button yeah. Coke button? in the Oval yeah. Office? They got rid of it. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, would you wait? Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I would definitely install a coffee button, a high pulp orange juice button, and a Dr. Pepper button. Heck, out no. of the Oval Office. Yeah. No. Uh, no. Yeah. What? JR, what? No, I would not. Uh, Kathy, where's JR following your rankings now? Um, now that we've heard his platform of three yeah, beverage the tyranny, buttons, the in tyranny the three beverage. beverage buttons. Okay, so then, it, then I guess it would be Clay, Matt, me. <laughs> I don't under. Wait, no, no. Defend, defend yes. yourselves. Tell me why that I don't is defend irrational. Anything? I'm the best. No, it's not why, irrational. Why, why, I think it's tacky. It's totally tacky. Yeah. They're going to so be tacky. Hidden. They're going to be. It hidden. wasn't hidden. No, it was right on the desk. No, it wasn't. It was like a it remote was control. Literally. It was like an easy button. It was oh, yeah, mine straight button. out of Staples. Mine would be under the desk. Sad. Under the desk, you couldn't see. Sure. So you'd yes, put your hands it, under the desk. And you accidentally press the button for the Secret Service to come running in guns a-blazing. No. No Absolute buttons. Dr. Pepper no corrupts absolutely. I actually now trust you all with your computers less if you have this much difficulty with buttons. No, I don't. I love my computer and the extra keyboard and my mouse. New squad review. No. Who can't use buttons? <laughs> what, why, JR, why can't you just say, hey, could somebody bring me a Dr. Pepper? Yeah. Because, the, like, okay, here we go. I'm in a meeting. Yeah. Someone who has a legitimate reason to be there. They're not a people person. They're boring. I'm going to need to push that coffee button. Right. And they're going to bring one cup of coffee for you. Yeah. And all the rest of the people in your meeting are going to be like, Tacky. Yeah, that's tacky. No, you're you're much more hospitable than that. I Peter. feel like you all are really overcomplicating how convenient no. and nope. easy no. this is. Nope. No, I don't think being president <laughs> is about convenience. No, but <laughs> besides, it's a, how long it's are about you going <laughs> to get with a boring person? You get like three minutes. Okay, oh, I gave my I gave my squad review. Somebody else. Quiet. Somebody what? else chime in. What's the question? Your squad oh review. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to the show, oh, Claymore. Oh. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm the best. Okay. <laughs> and the most humble. I mean, I feel like... Matt's, Matt's Rapid Matt's fire, too man. Nice. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Matt would be like a really good ambassador or like secretary of state or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't know, Kathy Jarrett, it's a toss-up for second. I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna second? have to hear wow. I'm gonna have to hear a debate. Yeah, I mean I'm first. I still rank myself first. What didn't you hear Jarrett's whole thing about Dr. Pepper? <laughs> well, I don't I don't know that Kathy's heart is in it as much as JR's. If she doesn't want it, then That's you know, true. wouldn't JR be better based on his ambition and desire for presidential convenience? I know the Pepsi company's rooting. For I think him, JR so. would be like a really great chief of staff for me. Like I could be nice. Clay's <laughs> not doing squad review. He's like, let me build my cabinet. It's clearly me, and then no one. Let's that was going to be cabinet. my follow up since we all obviously put Clay at number one. Is where do we oh all? Goodness. Where are we all, all right. on the cabinet? All right, JR. Yeah, I'm going to put Clay Your number turn. one. Um, I'm going to put Matt number two, Kathy, and then me. And Matt, since Number we all two, know how to I, do squad I, review, and Clay is struggling. I agree. I think it's I think it's Clay one. <laughs> I'm super decisive. I, we've all agreed. 
Yeah. Clay's the least decisive. <laughs> you imagine of us, so me put him in top. I'm trying to make decisions. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I would Clay number one, <laughs> then Kathy, then JR, then me. I'm definitely in last place. <laughs> I aside disagree. from the obvious, like Kathy can't actually do it. <laughs> I think I think you lean into that eight wing well. You've learned to do this. This is part of my and problem. I think you're though. very. They'd be like, "Hey, what should we do about this?" And I'd be like, "Let's do the right thing." And they're like, "But all the banks will fail." And I'm like, "Screw the banks. Let's do it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be like the final president of the United States. They're like, "This is complex." No. I was like, "It's not complex." Matt, if right Trump thing. couldn't destroy the United States, I don't think you would. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Seriously. I'm better than uh, Trump. I think we can decide right. that now. That's right. Clay, clearly. You're president. All three of us are somewhere in your administration. Yeah. Where what are you doing? What do you mean what am I doing? Like where, where are, are you we? putting us? Who are we? Matt is the uh United Nations ambassador. I'll take it. Um JR, you're my chief of staff. Yes. And Kathy <laughs> gets to do whatever she wants. I ask her what position she wants. So Kathy, what position would you want? Oh, she's the fixer. Ooh. Yes. Are you the VP, Kathy? No. What, do you want to be a national security advisor, Kathy? Ooh, that could be fun. Or I could just be somebody, you know. Secretary Secretary of of Education? The books. No, not Secretary of Education. Press Secretary. Press secretary. Oh, that that would be killer. I could do that. Okay, let's do it. Let's, Let's. I could do that. Guys, let's do this. Uh, tell tell me more about why you want me as your chief of staff so I can bask in the power oh behind God. it. Didn't I already wax philosophical about you earlier? Yes. I mean, all those things I said about you. The chief of staff. Yeah, but you didn't talk about how I'm mean. Yeah, yeah you'd be a great hatchet man. You would, to- yes. you would totally be able to kind of like unravel the motivations behind what people were telling me. You would definitely ferret out all the squirrely people and – True fact, Michelotis is better at that than me. Just FYI. Yeah, yeah but I'm I'm nice about well, it. Well, if Matt if Matt rejected <laughs> if Matt rejected the post as ambassador to the UN, then I would ask him to be uh, the top spiritual advisor. So I I oh, would I be like Matt. Too. I do both those. Use jobs. the Holy Spirit juju and like discern people's true <laughs> motives. Together, you better ask for a car. <laughs> You know, right. Jr. in my administration, you're the guy when I press the Dr. Pepper button, you come in dressed like a butler. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Stop. You'll be like, why right, is there listeners. only a quarter of this Dr. Pepper? All right. Like, All right. Let's wrap this up. Ew. All right, listeners, join in on the fun if you have any opinions. Why is there so much about- wisdom in my Dr. Pepper cup? Yeah, who can tell? Who can tell? Ew. Yes, Jr. I need, I'm going to need a hairnet oh, around boy. your beard. Hey, um, can we do, I want to hear what you guys are doing for uh, pop culture stuff right now. Like, can we do absolutely pop, pop culture picks? Yes. Yeah. What do we call it? Oh, what's fascinating us. <laughs> I'm like, how long has it been? Yeah, where, right. right, who, what, where? It's been a while. Uh, I've been watching a bunch. I have been doing. I've been watching a bunch of stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, Tell us. Yeah, what are we doing right now? Uh, we've been catching up on a couple. We, we, we find Survivor to be a good decompression. We watched some Survivor. I've been watching a little Unsolved Mysteries. Shit's Creek is definitely the new one that we just love. It's so so fun to go through that show. Um, so those are those are three quick hitters um, lately. But I, I would say certainly I'm glad I'm finally diving in. Nice. Uh, I've been running a lot of D and D lately, and it's just been tremendous fun. Um, I, I created like this one big sort of 
campaign and world. And I've been running all of my different groups through it. <laughs> and it's been long enough now that they're all actually have done some different things. Matt's in the one that is the furthest along. Yeah. Um, but it's been fun to see like how the different groups, because I would say, I would say like all of the groups are formed where there's m- maybe two people that already know each other in any meaningful capacity. So like Matt, like you sort of knew Tara and Mickey, right? Before we started. Right, right, right. Yeah. Not like super well, but I knew them both. Yeah. Um, but then the other two, you didn't know at all. Um, right. Several of the groups, I don't know anyone in, you know, that I just kind of got recruited uh, by weird Christian, weird Christian Twitter uh, to, do, to be a, to, to be a DM. So it's fun to like see how everyone sort of makes the sandbox their own and, solves decisions differently and it's made me like really sharpen up my improv skills uh because they'll do you know they'll hey we want to go talk to that random person over there what's their name and i'm like i don't know man i just like said there's people hanging out in the bar like i gotta go make up a name real quick you know and that kind of stuff um so that's it's, it's just been a lot of fun um it really scratching my creative itch and helping me like even though i'm in quarantine uh you know engage with people so um, but then also, Matt, you sent me a trailer of a movie called Psycho Goreman. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I did. What? And it is hilarious. Is it? Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh, my gosh. It looks so weird. Yeah. So it's, it is a, uh, it is sort of a send up of the like bad B movie trauma movies, um, where, you know, like hyper gory and ridiculous plots and all that kind of stuff. But the premise of this one is that there is this like ancient alien evil that was entombed on earth, you know, millennia ago by the galactic federation and a little girl who's probably like 10 maybe. And her brother, uh, accidentally dig him up. And she finds the gem that as long as she is holding it, like he has to do whatever she says. And her whole shtick is that she is like a bratty, bratty, bratty little girl. So he'll be like, I will feast upon your entrails and paint the walls with your blood. And she's like, um, you're going to need to sit down and not talk until I come back. And he's like, what? No, what? And then he just like sits down, you know? <laughs> so he is like this ridiculous monster, like way over the top. Um, and then she's like this bratty little kid who all of a sudden has like control of this ultimate power. And it's, it's not like there's no character arcs. There's no one grows or learns or changes in this movie. Like it's like ridiculously over the top in every way, but it's pretty silly and fun. Does it, does it play like an eighties, like one of those eighties horror comedies? Is that basically what it is? Yes, very much. Yep. Yeah. Like along the lines of like a toxic Avenger or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it does. Like the trailer, I saw it and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I laughed <laughs> at the trailer. I was like, I got to send this to JR. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely not good, but it sure is fun right. and silly. <laughs> and then have any of you heard of a show called Killing Eve? I've heard of it. Yeah. No, it. not at all. Um, yeah, we started watching. Apparently there's three seasons out and we're in the yeah. third season now and it's, it's mm-hmm. great. It's amazing. It's got an actress named Sandra mm-hmm. O oh is the main character. And, yep. yeah, and if anyone great. has any connections to Sandra, <laughs> yeah. Love, let us know. Uh, no, we Clay and Kathy have been. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Clay and Kathy have been uh, advocating for me to watch that for a long time, along with my friend James. Uh, and so, yeah, we finally started it and yeah, it's great. Everything you, everything y'all said is totally I'm also true. obsessed with Jodie Comer. She is brilliant is she villanelle yeah Yeah, she is i mean she makes me laugh like every episode multiple times with how completely insane she is um great characters good show interested that there's apparently it's based on a trilogy of novels 
and they've already greenlit a season four. So I'm very interested to see uh, where that goes. But yeah, super fun show. So that's been that's been getting us through quarantine. Nice. How about you, Kathy? So uh, I forget who was the one who mentioned um, the series Sweet Home. Oh, that was, yeah. that was also a Clay Morgan. Oh, was man, that was brilliant. Okay. So we finally, yeah, so we finally uh, finished that. Um, really enjoyed it. A little, like the ending, we were like, wait, what yeah. is going on? So, you know, kind of zombies, but not really monsters. Yes, Didn't love the gore, ending. But a little bit. Yeah, the ending was kind of like, wait, I don't, what? Um, and so it's a little bit like, uh, oh, I don't know, Survivor. In a Korean <laughs> apartment building during Hunger Games. That's yes. that's a thing. It's, Man. it's the raid. Yes. So um, we enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, and and this this kind of like do do I like this character? I think I like this character, but I shouldn't like this character. So really enjoyed that. Uh, that's on Netflix. And then I watched, okay, it's very steamy. It is not for children. <laughs> it is not for people who um, don't want to watch sex scenes. Oh, no. Bridgerton. Oh, really? So, okay, so you're Bridgerton. on the Bridgerton train. <laughs> yes. I, I just assumed there was no sex in that because it's all like, <laughs> oh my, whatever, Victorian or something. Oh, Jen was My, obsessed with it. I was, I was not prepared. I was like, wait, what? Um, but it's this kind of alternate uh, period piece. So it's, it's a period piece, but it's an alternate reality of that period. Um, so it involves, there's race and lots of sex. I, again, was not prepared for it. It was one of those shows where I was like, Oh, I'm kind of glad I'm watching this at night with the windows drawn. Like, if, <laughs> right? Because it, because there are those kinds of shows where, like, if the wind, like, if the the um, shades, if the blinds of my front window were open and you could see the TV, you'd be like, "What? What is Kathy watching? Is she watching? <laughs> yeah." Um, but I will say, uh, I really enjoyed kind of this playing around with the idea of race in a period piece. And then I will say, just for the viewers who are like, what about this, like the sex stuff? It was also interesting, uh, the take on that. It wasn't just about the men. And so in these, usually what you see um, you're saying the nudity is on both sides. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. But it's it's kind of the conversation around like what do what do men know about sex? What do women know about sex oh. and about pleasure? And I just that I was not expecting. So anyway, I loved I loved it. I thought I would not enjoy it. I am not really <laughs> sure why, but I I just had it in the background, and then I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. So like, Time to draw like, the shades. Gonna watch yeah. some Bridgerton. <laughs> yes, yes. Close the curtains and watch Bridgerton. And then, you, of course, I always love like Did you push the close like the, the curtains button? <laughs> you know, I don't have. Yeah, I don't have one of those. But how convenient would it be? JR just appears in a tuxedo, pulls the curtains. To close Jen, the, he to walks close out again. Jen told me that it's a series of books and that each season, they've got like seven or eight seasons now renewal. 
and they're going to do like each book is a different character POV, and that oh. uh, Shonda Rhimes is, was how Jen yes. first heard about it. She's the produce. I guess she produced it or directed it. I wasn't familiar with her, but um, if you're familiar with Shonda Rhimes' work. She's huge. She's like kind of one of the top showrunners in Hollywood yeah. right now. So and has been for for years. So yeah, those are some things about Bridgerton. Amazing! Wow, I can't wait. It's cool. Um, let's see. I uh, Krista and I are watching a couple shows just like every once in a while. We're I'm kind of doing some rewatching. It just, I'm like, do I want to put mm -hmm. in the, this is the malaise. I think do I want to put in the energy to something new. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we're rewatching scrubs. We're rewatching uh better, better off Ted. Um, yes, we're watching uh we're watching the rookie. That's not a rewatch, but it's a very much like if you've seen one episode, it feels like a rewatch um, in the best way. Right? Like it's formula TV. So it's, it feels pretty safe. Uh, I'm by myself rewatching The Wire right now, uh, which is spectacular. I, it's great. I'm like, I'm going to clean the kitchen. I'll just put on an episode of The Wire in the background because I've already seen it. I know what's going on. And, and then as far as new stuff for Christmas, I got some uh, gift certificate money and I got myself a couple comics. But the one I loved is called Something is Killing the Children. <laughs> Which it's exactly what's what it about? <laughs> wow, it's exactly what it sounds like. Actually, it's a it's about this little town that uh, uh, oh gosh, kids are disappearing in this little town, and this woman shows up kind of out of nowhere with all sorts of like chainsaws and machetes and stuff like that, and she's asking questions about the kids that are gone. And the cops are like, are you involved? And she's like, look, you don't want to lock me up if you want to find the kids. Uh, and it kind of goes from there and beat for beat exactly how you think it would go. And it's just, it's straight out up front. Like when it says to you, something is killing the children. You're like, now I know exactly what this comic is about. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The art, the writer is a guy named James Tinian the fourth, who JR and I were talking, like we've seen some of his other work, some of his superhero work and not loved it. Uh, but this I really loved. And then the artist is a guy named, uh, Werther Del Edra. And it's a, uh, it's really atmospheric, just really enjoyable. Just really had a lot of fun reading it. I can't wait. I, I bought it at your recommendation. So I'm going to dive into it. Soon. Yeah. And I, I left some spoilers out of some of the, uh, some of the fun bits. So I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. All right, friends. Well, this has been uh, this has been our first episode of season six. We're closing in on episode two hundred, so we're going to start brainstorming about what to do when we get there, whether that's this season or next season. Uh, but you know, we spent a good bit of last season talking about imagining new things, and as we were uh, processing what to do for this season, we realized that one of the things that has happened because of uh, the election and the the coup attempt and all of that is that a lot of folks are in a lot of similar positions to us where we're maybe not quite ready to start imagining new things yet. We're still kind of processing, you know, imagine me gesturing my arms around at everything, right? We're just processing everything. And so we wanted to spend some time doing that with you this season. Um, we are planning on bringing on some great guests to help us do that. We're pro uh, planning on continuing to dive into our pop culture, especially since HBO is releasing everything to our homes. So we don't have to go out to the movie theaters to see the new stuff. Uh, and you know, we know the virus or the vaccine is still on the horizon. 
though I heard that that the uh, government just bought enough to get 300 million Mar- Americans vaccinated. So hopefully that means we'll all be getting there sooner rather than later. Uh, but of course, we'd love to hear uh, what you've been thinking about, uh, how all of this has been affecting you, impacting you, what's been keeping you busy during quarantine, and most importantly, what role you would play in Clay Morgan's White House uh, administration. So uh, reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the fascinating podcast, or you can find us on Twitter using the hashtag fascinating. Uh, until next time, thanks so much uh, for listening with us. We're so glad to be back with you. We're looking forward to what's ahead. And uh, take care. Stay safe out there. Stay home if you can. Wear a mask if you can't. Mm-hmm.